European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance. Volume 43, Issue 26. Focus Issue, Imaging. By Editor-in-Chief Professor Filippo Crea. Read to you by Morgan Bryan. Cardiac Magnetic Resonance. Challenges, Opportunities and Developments. This issue opens with the special article entitled Integrated Care for Optimizing the Management of Stroke and Associated Heart Disease, a position paper of the European Society of Cardiology Council on Stroke by Gregory Lipp and colleagues from the University of Liverpool and Liverpool Heart and Chest Hospital in the United Kingdom. The authors note that the management of patients with stroke is often multidisciplinary involving various specialities and healthcare professionals. Given the common shared risk factors for stroke and cardiovascular disease, input may also be required from the cardiovascular team, as well as patient caregivers and next of kin. Ultimately, the patient is central to all of this, requiring a coordinated and uniform approach to the priorities of post-stroke management, which can be consistently implemented by different multidisciplinary healthcare professionals as part of the patient journey or patient pathway, supported by appropriate education and telemedicine approaches. All these aspects would ultimately aid delivery of care and improve patient and caregiver engagement and empowerment. Given the need to address the multidisciplinary approach to holistic or integrated care of patients with heart disease and stroke, the European Society of Cardiology or ESC Council on Stroke convened a task force with the remit to propose a consensus on integrated care management for optimising the management of stroke and associated heart disease. The present position paper summarises the available evidence and proposes consensus statements that may help to define evidence gaps and simple practical approaches to assist in everyday clinical practice. A post-stroke ABC pathway is proposed as a more holistic approach to integrated stroke care which would include three pillars of management as follows. A. Appropriate antithrombotic therapy. B. Better functional and psychological status. C. Cardiovascular risk factors and comorbidity optimization, including lifestyle changes. The issue continues with a focus on imaging. In a state-of-the-art review article entitled Autopsy in the Era of Advanced Cardiovascular Imaging. Christina Basso from the University of Padua in Italy and James Stone from the Massachusetts General Hospital and Harvard Medical School in Boston, Massachusetts, USA note that historically, autopsy contributed to our current knowledge of cardiovascular anatomy, physiology and pathology. Major advances in the understanding of cardiovascular diseases including atherosclerosis and coronary artery disease genital heart diseases and cardiomyopathies were possible through autopsy investigations and clinicopathological correlations. This review addresses the importance of performing clinical autopsies in people dying from cardiovascular disease, even in the era of advanced cardiovascular imaging. Autopsies are most helpful in the setting of sudden unexpected deaths, particularly when advanced cardiovascular imaging has not been performed. In this setting, the autopsy is often the only chance to make the correct diagnosis. In previously symptomatic patients who had undergone advanced cardiovascular imaging, autopsies still play many roles. 
post-mortem examinations are important for furthering the understanding of key issues related to the underlying diseases. Autopsy can help to increase the knowledge of the sensitivity and specificity of advanced cardiovascular imaging modalities. Autopsies are particularly important to gain insights into both the natural history of cardiovascular diseases and less common presentations and therapeutic complications. Finally, autopsies are a key tool to quickly understand the cardiac pathology of new disorders, as emphasised during the recent coronavirus disease 2019 pandemic. Many cardiac pacemakers and defibrillators are not approved by regulators for magnetic resonance imaging, or MRI. Even following generator exchange to an approved MR conditional model, many systems remain classified non-MR conditional due to the leads. In a clinical research article entitled Evidence to Support Magnetic Resonance Conditional Labeling of All Pacemaker and Defibrillator Leads in Patients with Cardiac Implantable Electronic Devices, Anish Bulva and colleagues from the Barts Health Center, Barts Health NHS Trust in the United Kingdom, note that this classification makes patients' access to MRI challenging, while the evidence of increased clinical risk appears to be unsubstantiated. The authors compared the effect of MRI and non-MR conditional and MR conditional pacemakers and defibrillator leads. Patients undergoing clinical 1.5T MRI with pacemakers and defibrillators in three centers over five years were included. MRI protocols were similar for MR conditional and non-MR conditional systems. Devices were integrated pre and immediately post-scan and at follow-up and adverse clinical events were recorded. Lead parameter changes, peri-scan, were stratified by MR conditional labeling. A total of 1,148 MRI examinations were performed in 970 patients, 54% non-MR conditional systems, 39% defibrillators, 15% pacing dependent, with 2,268 leads. There were no lead-related adverse clinical events and no clinically significant immediate or late lead parameter changes following MRI in either MR-conditional or non-MR-conditional leads. Small reductions in atrial and right ventricular sensed amplitudes and impedances were similar between groups, with no difference in the proportion of leads with parameter changes greater than predefined thresholds. 7.1%, 95% confidence interval, 6.1 to 8.3. The authors conclude that there was no increased risk of MRI in patients with non-MR conditional pacemaker or defibrillator leads when following recommended protocols. Standardizing MR conditions for all leads would significantly improve access to MRI by enabling patients to be scanned in non-specialist centers with no discernible incremental risk. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Chiara Bucciarelli-Ducci from the King's College London in the United Kingdom and Panos Vadas from the Hygieia Group of Hospitals in Athens, Greece. The authors conclude that the clinical impact of the study of Bouva et al. is likely to be substantial and practice-changing. The 2013 ESC guidelines on cardiac pacing and cardiac resynchronization therapy stated that in patients with MR-conditional devices, MRI at 1.5T 
and be done safely following the manufacturer's instructions. Class of recommendation, 2A, level of evidence, B. Whilst in patients with conventional or legacy cardiac devices, MRI at 1.5T can be performed with a low risk of complications if appropriate precautions are taken. Class of recommendation 2B, level of evidence B. This latter indication is likely to improve in the 2021 iteration of the ESC guidelines, given the new clinical evidence provided in recent papers, including this study. A tailored chelation therapy-guided MRI is a strategy to improve the prognosis of iron-loaded patients, in many cases still hampered by limited MRI availability. In a clinical research article entitled National Networking in Rare Diseases and Reduction of Cardiac Burden in Thalassemia Major, Alessia Pepe and colleagues from the Fundazione G. Monasterio CNRE Regione Toscana in Pisa, Italy, note that the myocardial iron overload in thalassemia, or MIOT network, was established in Italy to address this issue. The authors aim to describe the impact of the 10-year activity of this network on cardiac burden in thalassemia major, or TM. Within the MIOT network, 1,746 TM patients 911 females, mean age 31 years, were consecutively enrolled and prospectively followed by 70 thalassemia and 10 MRI centres. Patients were scanned using a multi-parametric approach for assessing myocardial iron overload, or MIO, biventricular function, and myocardial fibrosis. At the last MRI scan, a significant increase in global heart T2 star values and a significantly higher frequency of patients with no MIO, or segmental T2 star greater than or equal to 20 milliseconds, were detected, with a concordant improvement in biventricular function, particularly in patients with baseline global heart T2 star less than 20 milliseconds. 47% of patients changed their chelation regimen based on MRI. The frequency of heart failure, or HF, significantly decreased after baseline MRI from 3.5% to 0.8%, P being less than 0.0001. 46 patients died during the study, and HF accounted for 35% of deaths. Pepe and colleagues conclude that over 10 years, continuous monitoring of cardiac iron and tailored chelation therapy allowed MIO reduction with consequent improvements of cardiac function and reduction of cardiac complications and mortality from MIO-related HF. A national networking for rare diseases therefore proved effective in improving the care and reducing cardiac outcomes of TM patients. This manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Mark Westwood and Dudley Pennell from the Royal Brompton Hospital in London, United Kingdom. The authors conclude that overall, the study by Pepe et al. has shown that the use of integrated care at a regional and national level can drive and improve outcomes and has yet again confirmed the simplicity and validity of the T2-star technique. Even though a more complex analysis technique has been used, the results confirm the enormous power of myocardial T2-star, how revolutionary it has been in the management of cardiac iron loading, 
and that using this very simple strategy, how many young lives have and continue to be saved. In a clinical research article entitled Improving Cardiovascular Magnetic Resonance Access in Low- and Middle-Income Countries for Cardiomyopathy Assessment, Rapid Cardiovascular Magnetic Resonance, Katia Devora Manacho and colleagues from the University College London in the United Kingdom note that cardiovascular magnetic resonance, or CMR, complements echocardiography and is recommended in multiple international guidelines, including the majority of the ESC, 14 guidelines, 39 class 1 and 22 class 2 recommendations. It's the gold standard for the evaluation of ventricular function, scar imaging using late gadolium enhancement, and iron quantification, CMR T2 star. The authors evaluated the impact of a simplified, rapid cardiovascular CMR protocol embedded in care and supported by a partner education program on the management of cardiomyopathy in low- and middle-income countries, or LMICs. Rapid CMR focused particularly on cardiomyopathy, was implemented in 11 centres, 7 cities, 5 countries and 3 continents linked to training courses for local professionals. Patients were followed up for 24 months to assess the impact. The rate of subsequent adoption was tracked. Five CMR conferences were delivered, 920 attendees, potential referrers, radiographers, reporting cardiologists and radiologists, and five new centres started CMR. A total of 601 patients were scanned. CMR indications were 24% non-contrast T2 star scans, MIO, and 72% suspected stroke-known cardiomyopathies, including ischemic and viability. 98% of studies were of diagnostic quality. The average scan time was 22 plus or minus 6 minutes contrast and 12 plus or minus 4 minutes non-contrast, a potential cost throughput reduction of between 30 and 60%. CMR findings impacted management in 62%, including a new diagnosis in 22% and MIO detected in 30% of non-contrast scans. The authors conclude that rapid CMR of diagnostic quality can be delivered using available technology in LMICs. When embedded in care and a training program, costs are lower, care is improved and services can be sustained over time. This contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Subha Rahman from the Indiana University School of Medicine stroke IU Health Cardiovascular Institute in Indianapolis, Indiana, USA. Rahman states that ideally all stakeholders, healthcare recipients, healthcare providers and healthcare payers should work together to address patients' unmet needs and deliver innovative solutions. The authors conclude that together with local, national, multinational and societal partners, we should accelerate our shared pursuit of equitable population-scale access to CMR as a key component of high-value cardiovascular care. In a clinical research article entitled Cardiac Magnetic Resonance Identifies Left Ventricular Filling Pressure Prognostic Implications by Pankaj Garg and colleagues from the University of Sheffield in the United Kingdom. HF represents a significant social and economic burden and it's on the rise. 
the underlying pathophysiology of HF is raised intracardiac filling pressures. Identification of raised left ventricular filling pressure, or LVFP, is the cornerstone of HF diagnosis. CMR is emerging as an important imaging tool for subphenotyping HF. However, currently LVFP cannot be estimated from CMR. This study sought to investigate 1. if CMR can estimate LVFP in patients with suspected HF and 2. if CMR modelled LVFP has prognostic power. Suspected HF patients underwent right heart catheterization or RHC CMR and transthoracic echocardiography, or TTE, validation cohort only, within 24 hours of each other. Right heart catheterization measured pulmonary capillary wedge pressure, or PCWP, was used as a reference for LVFP. At follow-up, death was considered as the primary endpoint. The authors enrolled 835 patients, mean age 65 years, 40% male. In the derivation cohort, N equaling 708, two CMR metrics were associated with RHC-PCWP, LV mass and left atrial volume. When applied to the validation cohort, N equaling 127, the correlation coefficient between RHC-PCWP and CMR-modeled PCWP was 0.55 p being less than 0.0001. CMR-modelled PCWP was superior to TTE in classifying patients as having normal or raised filling pressures, 76 versus 25%. CMR-modelled PCWP was associated with an increased risk of death, hazard ratio 1.77, p being less than 0.001. At Kaplan-Meier analysis, CMR-modelled PCWP was comparable with RHC-PCWP, greater than or equal to 15 millimetres of mercury, to predict survival at seven-year follow-up, 35% versus 37%, P equaling 0.52. Garg et al. conclude that a physiological CMR model can estimate LVFP in patients with suspected HF. In addition, CMR-modelled LVFP predicts the outcome. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Anna Barituzio from the University of Padua in Italy and Vivek Muthurangu from the University College London in the United Kingdom. Barituzio and Muthurangu highlight that the study by Garg et al. further expands the role of CMR as a one-stop-shop technique by providing data on HF etiology, accurate and highly reproducible assessment of biventricular volumes and function, and an accurate estimation of LVFP. Given the good specificity and negative predictive value, CMR could be used as a tool to stratify patients for further invasive LVFP assessment. Finally, CMR can be proposed, based on the findings from Garg et al., not only as a diagnostic and prognostic tool in HF assessment, but also as a non-invasive test to monitor response to HF treatment. The issue is also complemented by two discussion forum contributions. In a commentary entitled Dual Antiplatelet Therapy Analysis Inconclusive in Disco Registry of Spontaneous Coronary Artery Dissection 
Aaron McAllister and Jacqueline Saw and colleagues from the University of British Columbia in Canada comment on the recent publication Antiplatelet therapy in patients with conservatively managed spontaneous coronary artery dissection from the multicenter DISCO registry by Enrico Cerato and colleagues from the San Luigi Gonzaga University Hospital in Turin, Italy. Gerato et al. respond in a separate comment. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will be of interest to its listeners.